The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. right nick ferguson secondary perspective you can find me at nick ferguson underscore 25 and of course it's been a long drought it's dry here in california like a dry heat and and i've been without the other side of ebony and ivory that's mario batanza you can find him at mile high mario he joins the program once again and just like the song said what more can i say mario i mean the people have didn't know but but you just recently got engaged and just I did. disappeared. I mean, is this what we should expect in the future from a man who will potentially get married at some point, just kind of a David Blaine disappearing act? Come on. Well, here's what happened. I uh, got engaged and you're like, all right, well, next time on Secondary Perspective, I'm going to give you some grief. So naturally, I took a month off. And I, think, I was thinking, you know, you would forget about it and we could just move on. But you had that in your back pocket, so it's okay. I'll I'll, I'll take my wraps. No, we were uh, we were down in Orlando for for the last two weeks, and then it was just work before that. And yeah, you don't need to worry about that because I'm back. I'm better than ever. Don't call it a comeback because I never really left. Well, you know what? You know, I, I have some people around town, and you know, my eyes are everywhere. And, and someone told me that they saw you out with your new fiance picking out fine china, uh, tablecloths, and all of this stuff, and curtain rods. I'm like, well, your no, 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 sources, no. Your sources are lying, Mr. Ferguson. No, I mean, I'm just saying they say you're picking out floral patterns. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not the Mario I know. He, he's not a floral pattern type of guy. That's you know, a different Mario. Yes, that's, that's what I'm saying, Mario. I mean, are we going to see <laughs> a different Mario? I mean, you're not at your normal hyped-up self. Is this what we can expect? Or what married life is going to do to you? Hey, you hey, the, the hype is going to come. We've only just begun. They just give it a sec. Once we start talking, then we'll get into the hype. Okay, well, speaking of hype, let me, let me push things a, a little forward and transition just a little bit since we're talking about relationships. You know, earlier this week, Roger Goodell and the, the commissioner for the NFL, after the whole Ray Rice issue, decided, you know what, I'm going to have a change of heart. After all the talk, the conversation, the phone calls, he decided, 
yeah, you know what, maybe I made a mistake with Ray Rice giving him only a two-game suspension, which I thought was a slap on the wrist. But now he comes back. There's a six-game suspension for the first offense with domestic violence. Now, here is where I've had an opportunity to talk to several players, and you give me your opinion and your secondary perspective on this. The second offense comes with a lifetime ban. Now, now, what does that mean? I, I really don't know. Maybe we will let the commission, everyone else, elaborate on this a little further. Maybe we'll get more stories later on. But as it stands right now, six-game suspension for the first offense and then a lifetime ban. Now, now before you go into that, Mario, I'm going to tell you a little story. And I want to give the listeners a little something about domestic violence. And, and typically, the face of domestic violence is usually a battered and bruised woman. Once again, on a secondary perspective, we are not condoning domestic violence on either side of the fence, whether it comes from the man or the female side. But I just felt compelled to share a little bit of my own personal story, Mario. And, and you've known me for a while, but I don't think you know this story. I myself have undergone domestic violence. No, was I married? No. But I was involved with someone and the relationship was physical. Not on my account. You know, I was the one where things were happening to me. It's not like me. I'm saying, oh, 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 or is me. But no, we're driving in the car. She's upset because I am not reacting the way that she wants me to react, which is like Jerry Maguire, just jump around and frail around. But I didn't do that. So that upset her. She snatched my chain off of my neck while I'm driving. Mind you, I'm on the highway. She took the cross and slapped me in the mouth with it. Oh, you can't do that. She slapped me in the mouth with it. So I'm looking. How old were you, Nick? Uh, you know what? I think this might have been my second year with the Denver Broncos at the time. But here's the thing. I didn't overreact in that situation. I didn't go in on her. I mean, I was shocked and surprised. But being a, as a kid in Miami growing up, being as though I saw domestic violence occur with my mom at the same time, it changed me. And I knew that, one, I can't do that because I know better. Two, if I were to go in on her, I know exactly what the headlines were going to read, and I didn't want to be a part of that. So when yep. you talk about domestic violence, this is something that happens not only to women, but it happens to men as well, and we need to keep that in consideration. But going back to the first thing, now tell me what your thoughts on the six-game suspension and a lifetime ban for the second offense of domestic violence. Well, obviously, it's a lot better than the two games, Nick. I mean, yeah, I don't think there was a person out there that thought it was fair that he only got two games. And honestly, I would like to have been a fly on the wall when the two-game suspension came down and, you know, their their rationalization for why it only would have been two games. And so, honestly, I have to, and, and on my show uh, this past Saturday here on Mile High Sports, I gave my a big hats off to the fans, to the public, because without the uproar, without the reaction that they had had, this does not happen. So six games for a first offense, I think, is fair. You know, it's just under half a season. Uh, it's a lot of money for these players to miss out on for six whole games. The second time, I know it seems harsh to get a lifetime ban, but think about what we're talking here. You know, if you're going to give somebody a year-long suspension after being caught with weed three times, like we've just seen with Josh Gordon, everybody thinks that that, okay, well, it's a third-time offense. That makes sense. 
hitting a woman, you know, domestic violence is a whole hell of a lot worse than smoking weed, Nick. So the lifetime ban, and hopefully it will neither be here nor there because, I mean, I hope and I pray that we will never see the day when somebody does this twice. But, I mean, if there was more than – if there was something that existed that was more than a lifetime ban from the NFL, that's what I would want it to be. So I think he handled this very well. Six games is a lot. You know, it's it's more than a third of the season. Um, and then the lifetime ban, you're sending a message to this point. And uh, I, don't, I don't think it was an overreaction whatsoever. And I completely agree with it. And, again, hats off to the public to the fans for the uproar that they created when all of this was going down. So, uh, I, I mean, the only issue that I have with it, Nick, is now if Ray Rice does it again, he'll get a six-game suspension because he wasn't, quote-unquote, or he was grandfathered in to the whole new hearing. So, I, I mean, again, hopefully it's neither here nor there, and we don't see that, but I, I think it's completely fair. Well, you know what? I'll tell you this. You know, some of the guys that I've had the chance to talk to, and we'll talk to running back, UGA running back, and former Denver Bronco, Atlanta's Gary Lady in the program, and we'll get his secondary perspective on this topic and more. But I'll tell you this, Mario. Uh, some of the guys that I've had a chance to speak to, they thought this was a little excessive because six-game suspension, okay, we understand. The lifetime ban, what does that really mean? Now that player's out of the NFL completely, but some would tell it, well, that guy, after being out of the game a year, he has a chance to come back and appeal. But the problem, the situation with that, and everyone has to understand, depending on where you are in your career, who you are in your age, when you come back to a team, they can view you as, well, is he damaged goods? Do we want to take that on as a distraction? And then, you know, have your skills diminished in that time period? So a lifetime ban means a lot. And those guys in the NFL right now feel as though, this is a little excessive. Yes, you wanted to make a point. You could have made that point the first time you dealt with the issue instead of giving Ray Rice a two-game suspension. But after all of the media coverage and the conversation, now you want to drive the nail in with a, instead of a hammer, a hammer, you want to drive it in with a sludge hammer and a, a, having a lifetime ban. I still think, you know, talking to these guys once again, you know, they're currently in the NFL. They think it's a little excessive. Maybe we could have said maybe eight games, maybe a, a, a substantial amount of money, uh, but, but that wasn't the case. Once again, this is still a little excessive. A lifetime ban, I think, is pushing us too far to the left. But I'll tell you something about this that the guys are all also upset about is when you look at, you talked about Josh Gordon, you're talking about the domestic violence and how the league is looking to implement the policies now. Earlier this week, Jim Ursay finally had his suspension levied down by the commissioner. Six-game suspension, half a million-dollar fine. And once again, the guys are fed up. They're in the uproar. It's like, do as I say, not as I do. Fair but not equal. That's a term that's often kicked around in the NFL a lot. And they feel as though for an owner who's worth $1.7 billion, finding him half a million dollars is nothing. And then also, a six-game suspension... He has no no factor on what happens in the game. He's not yes, catching so the pass. That's He's, what I wanted to ask you, Nick. Does he is he just not allowed to go to the games or what is it? It's not like they can stop him from watching on TV. How is that any different than what he does? I mean, 
what point is it suspending an owner for any amount of games? Well, I tell you what, the, the way that the suspension, uh, and, and I read the article, is, okay, first of all, he can't be around any team functions, any kind of organizational decisions. That's why his daughter is going to step in, in his stead while he is not there. But I'm sure he probably has the NFL Sunday ticket and the red zone package, so he's going to be able to sit home in his plush house and watch the game. Now, he's been forbidden to do, go on social media and say anything in regards to the league or the Colts, because you know, just like Jerry Jones, just like Mark Cuban, you know, uh, Jim Ursay got into social media, so he's forbidden from being on social media. So still, at the same time, is it really hurting his pocket with half a million dollars, six-game suspension? Once again, because he doesn't have an impact on the game. He's exactly. not there. He's not catching the ball. He's not blocking. He's not Andrew Luck throwing the pass, which they're going to play Denver on Sunday. He has no factor on the game. So the suspension of six games does nothing. My, my thought was maybe you send a message by taking a couple of draft choices away from him. That's where it's going to not only hurt him, but it's going to hurt you know Chuck Pagano and Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis coach. That's how you send the message. But this doesn't well, make and you, and you gotta you gotta find him more. I mean, five hundred thousand sounds like a lot to me, but to him, that's like fifty bucks. You know, it's just I'm like oh, that's just a that's just a that's I walk around with that in my wallet every once in a while. So yeah, I, it's this is still an ongoing issue, Nick. And I mean, with all of these suspensions that are being handed out, you know, now of course with Wes Welker being suspended four games for alleged use of amphetamines, even though he said. You know, somebody drugged him or he, did, he had no uh, no knowledge of doing it. There's so many different suspensions that we're seeing now. It's like two games, four games, six games a year, this, that, and the other. I, I feel like maybe during the next offseason, the entire NFL and the, the, the powers that be and the NFLPA and everybody involved, they need to get in the room and just hammer these things out. And, and, and just figure it out because I feel like the most recent CBA, it just doesn't cover everything. It's not extensive enough. So they need to think of, you know, even things that sound absolutely ridiculous. They need to have some sort of a punishment for it. It's like, oh, well, what if you're at the club and, you know, you take a lie detector test and it turns out that somebody slipped you ecstasy or slipped you molly or you're at the Kentucky Derby, maybe. Maybe they give you two games instead of four games. I don't know, Nick. But the point is they need to get in a room. They need to figure out how to do this. Maybe make a new CBA, even though they're not due to make another one for another six years. Well, I'll say this. My father has always taught me something. He said, anytime you get a drink of any caliber, whether it, that is Kettle One or any alcoholic beverage or you're mixing Sprite and Grenadine together, as I often used to do when I would go out. But oh, yeah, you, Shirley Temple. Yeah, yeah exactly. Shirley, because everyone knows I'm not a big drinker. So when you get that drink, he would always say, take that drink with you because never leave that drink, you know, uh, by itself because you never know what someone might choose to put in it. And once you put it in your body, it's, it's on you. So for Wes Walker to say, well, I don't know how it got in my body. Maybe someone slipped me a roofie, a date rape drug. I don't know. To me, you cannot use those as excuses anymore. The way the league is structured now, if you test positive for it, you are responsible for anything that you put in your body, whether you go to a health food store, whether you get some 
something from your buddy, whether it's a med some cough medication because you're ill, it really doesn't make a difference. You put it in your body, you're responsible for it. If you don't tell the organization, then once you test positive, that's on you. And you just talked about it. You talked about the fact of, you know, Wes Walker having this issue. And then we got another Bronco, Matt Prater. And, and we, after the break, we'll jump into that because that, that's a huge issue. You have two Broncos, two key players that are going to miss four games and which, which and arguably is a tough early four-game stretch for the Broncos before the bye week. And you want to make sure you have all guns a-blazing. I mean, you're going to face San Francisco 49ers. You're going to face, of course, Seattle Seahawks, who played tonight against the Green Bay Packers. And we'll talk about that later on and figure out who Mario thinks is going to win this particular game. But I think this game is going to be altered and changed by the Zebras or the referees, as I like to call them, with the new illegal contact pass interference because you know Seattle likes to play football rough. And we'll talk about my experience in that organization and talking to Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas about their aspirations and goals coming into this season. Uh, We'll get into that and more. Mario, a lot to talk about. And I definitely want to hear what you have to say when we talk about Wes Welker and these amphetamines. And wait till I tell you guys what these amphetamines are normally used for. If you haven't researched it, I'm going to break it down for you after the break. You're listening to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. You know what, Mario? I love this time of the year. I mean, the NFL kicks off tonight. College football kicked off last week and an impressive outing last week. You know, I'm I'm an ACC guy. And everyone knows I'm a Georgia Tech guy. But there was one game that I definitely had to watch. That was Georgia versus Clemson. When you get these two teams together, there's always something magical that's going to happen. And someone who knows Georgia football and knows it 
and is true and dear to his heart is my next guest. He rushed for over a thousand yards for the Denver Broncos. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in Olandis Gary to the program. Olandis, thank you for joining us. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Thanks for having me. I I I am ha I'm glad, man. It's it's college football, and and I know that there's a lot of listeners who are Georgia Tech fans who might be upset because I'm having a dog on the program, but. I was compelled. No, Nick, you've actually had more dogs on the program than uh, Georgia Tech guys. What's up with that? Well, well, no, not really. Technically, there have been two dogs. Orlandis is the second, and there have been two jackets. You know, you don't on the count program. as a jacket, Nick. Well, no, and not just me and not counting as, jack- <laughs> as a jacket. I've had two jackets on the program, but our focus is about our guest, Orlandis Gary. Now, Orlandis, I mean Todd Gurley, very impressive performance. 15 carries, 198 yards, and four touchdowns. And I have to ask you this question. Can Todd Gurley take Georgia's football back to the promised land? Is that possible? Um, definitely. Um, I think so. I mean, with the performance he had last week, I mean, it was out of this world, you know. And um, with, you know, with their schedule combined with a little luck, I think they definitely can do it, man. Well, I, I tell you what, you know, when I watched him run, and I know his first year, uh, you know, as a freshman, he was really explosive. Everyone was talking about Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall. And the problem was, you know, keeping this guy healthy. And, you know, Mark Rick has him both carrying the ball and on special teams as well. And like I mentioned earlier, one of his touchdowns was a 104-yard kickoff return where he ran straight up the middle, untouched, and he bumped his head pretty much on the goalpost. Now, as a former running back, how much does health play into the, the durability of a player in a, in a stretch of an NFL season in the college free, football season as well? Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's the main thing. I, my my uh, AD used to say, stay healthy and get wealthy, man. Um, and I, I think that's the uh, same thing in, in Gurley's case, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, talking about the special teams aspect of it, I mean, you never want to see a lot of times your, you know, your top uh, running back playing special teams. But, I mean, like you said, man, when you're hitting your head on the goalpost like that, it's, it's unbelievable, you know? Yeah, it, it is. And when you look at, you know, the run, the, the backfield for, for the Georgia Bulldogs, it, it, I mean, the SEC, when you think SEC football, it's grinding out running game and you play, you play defense. But to me, this team looked just like, and it's kind of built offensively, like maybe that of the San Francisco 49ers, meaning the backfield, because you got three backs that you can choose from. You can go Todd Gurley, Keith, Keith, uh, Keith Marshall, and Brendan Douglas. I mean, are we going to see Georgia football overtake maybe USC and Auburn as running back university? Um, definitely. I mean, you know, uh, you know, in the past, uh, we had some great uh, running backs. And a matter of fact, I mean, we, you know, uh, arguably was one of the, the best running back schools, you know, in, in the country. I mean, we used to be you consider as running back university there for a while, but you know, um, you know, with with that core that you mentioned just now, I mean, you know, the sky's the limit for those guys, and um, you know, if they can stay healthy, man, and uh, you know, just capitalize off off some of the games early that they have and get them out the way, I think they're definitely bowl well there late, uh, late for a late, later stretch. Well, Dog Nation, if you are joining us, we're joined by former Denver Bronco and University of Georgia Bulldog running back Olandis. Gary, and when you talk about Georgia's football, especially the running back position, everyone knows about Herschel Walker. It's like he just put the backfield on the map. 
And then Robert Edwards, yourself, Noshawn uh, Moreno, uh, Terrell Davis. I mean, why is it that, and now, you know, Keith Marshall and Tara Gurley, why is it that this program continually produce running back after running back each year? Why is that possible? I might think, I mean, they do a great job, man, uh, recruiting uh, homegrown kids. You know, I mean, they do a great job in their backyard there in Georgia, uh, the state of Florida. They recruit well. And, uh, you know, up and down the East Coast as well. And, and now, you know, with the SEC getting so much exposure, you know, into Texas and things like that, I'm, I'm sure you're going to see a lot more running backs and, and other skill positions coming from, you know, the Midwest and places like that also. Well, you know what? There's another huge game for Georgia coming up. Uh, they're going to face off against South Carolina Gamecocks, who had a handful last week with Texas A&M, Kevin Sumlin, and this new guy on the hill, Kenny Hill, that is. No more Johnny football, but when you look at Georgia facing South Carolina, they're beat up, and usually a Steve Spurrier team really doesn't go into the season 0-2. I mean, what do you think that Georgia needs to do to make sure they come out and get a victory here this weekend? Um, you know, I mean, I, you know it better than anybody, man. I mean, you know, they have to stay focused, man, and that was just one game. Uh, that's, that's over. You know, attempting game is over. You celebrate, you know, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and it's over. You know, you got to get back to business. Um, because if you don't, you know, South Carolina, I mean, they're hungry. You know, they, like you said, they, they, they got great coaches. They got great players. They get the talent is there. So they definitely, you know, they have the ability to beat anybody they play on, you know, any given Saturday. So, I mean, you have to be ready and, and come with your A game. Now, my only concern with that Georgia team, is that that secondary is, is kind of a young secondary, whatever, and kind of a deficient a little bit in the back end. And you look at Dylan Thompson, what's it, what he was able to do, even in a losing effort against Texas A&M, still have some receivers that can take the top off the defense. Nick Jones, Farrell Cooper, and Demir Bird. And Demir Bird, I mean, when you watch that Texas A&M game, he was constantly running past the corners and the safeties, but Dylan Thompson missed a little bit on some of his throws. When you look at that, that's secondary, and James Pruitt is now the defensive coordinator. I mean, how, how can they basically reshape themselves to become a little more competitive, knowing as though South Carolina has three wide receivers who can take, take the top off the defense and capable of game-breaking ability win the ball in their hands? Um, I think they're, I think they're doing well. I mean, you know, they just keep getting better every week. You know, every week is a new cha- a challenge and a new test for them. So, I mean, you know, they, they start out, you know, they got last week's out the way. They got the bye week this week, you know, next, you know, so you got two weeks pretty much to prepare for those guys. So I think they'll do well, man. And, um, you know, that, you know, as long as the uh, season goes on, uh, Weather gets a little cooler, you know, so you won't be out there in the 98 degrees, you know, fourth <laughs> quarter. So um, I think, uh, you know, as the season goes on, those guys will get a lot better. Now, now, uh, switching uh, just a little bit, I mean, Mario and I were talking before you joined the program. We were talking about uh, suspensions, and the league is always uh, rewriting policy every time something happened. Of course, you know about the Ray Rice incident, but the biggest thing was uh, Jim Ursay. I had a chance to talk to a lot of players and get their opinion as far as did they feel that the fine and suspension that the league levied down on Jim Ursay was that, can you accept that or did the commissioner need to do more and a six-game suspension and $500,000 fine? I mean, do you agree with that? Did the league do enough or was there more that they could have done? 
Um, I, um, from my standpoint, you know, it, it's always, you, you know, you, 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 it's a system that you got to live in, you know, you got to live with. So, I mean, could they do more? Yes. Did they do enough? I don't know, you know, but I um, mean, it, it's, it's always, you know, you, you got to live with those things. So, I mean, it's something that, you know, we can talk about to it's on the face, but, you know, I mean, as far as the Ray Wright situation and, and, and that thing, as that goes, you know, I mean, we, we just have to, you know, as, as, players and as people, you know, as men, I mean, you know, that, you know, that stuff can't happen, you know, stuff, things like that just can't happen. And, you know, we got to start using the restraint, you know, more, you know, more restraint and, and walking away from situations like that. But, um, you know, in that other situation, man, you know, you I mean, could they, they find them more definitely, but, um, you know, I don't think it's my place to, uh, to agree or disagree though. Well, you know, your, your former team, the Denver Broncos, are facing some hardship of their own, missing two players for four games, Wes Walker and Matt Prater, uh, most recently Wes Walker, and testing positive for amphetamines. And he's saying that, listen, I, I didn't know what was in my drink. Someone put something in my drink. In your time as a player, have you run into an occasion where you might have been out, come back, and witness someone trying to put something in your drink? Or witnessing someone trying to put something in a teammate's drink. Um, I've never witnessed it personally, but I, I mean, you know, it's it's easy. You know, I mean, stuff like that happens, um, and we know it. And you have to be cognizant of things like that, man. So, I mean, um, I've never seen it. I, I've never been a part of anything like that. But um, you know, definitely, you know, it, it definitely can happen. I, I mean, I've been uh, in a situation in Detroit where, you you know, it it, it was. You know, guys were set up and things like that, and, and you, you know, you can state that the, uh, you know, you can see that what happened it wasn't a guy's fault. But at the same time, too, you know, we we have to uh, be above reproach and, and you know try not to put ourselves in those type of situations. Um, you know, but you know, guys are allowed to you know have fun and enjoy themselves too, man. But um, you know, we live in a different world and it's a new normal. So you definitely, man, you got to watch your drinks at all times, and if you leave it. Don't drink it, just get another one, you know, and, and that, was, that was some lesson learned. Well, now the Broncos face off this Sunday against Andrew Luck. It's kind of like one of Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker type of thing, the, the, the changing of the guards, if you will. The last time Peyton Manning was on Andrew Luck's turf, and it didn't fare too well for he and the Broncos. But this time he has Luck and Mile High. So when you look at that game, how do you think the Broncos are going to fare? No Matt Prater, like I said, no Wes Welker, but they have Emmanuel Samuels and they have, excuse me, Emmanuel Sanders, and they have Ronnie Hillman and Monty Ball. How do you see this one breaking down? Um, you know, I, I love, I mean, I love Peyton Manning. I love Broncos. And, um, you know, not taking away anything with Andrew Luck and his group, but, um, you know, Peyton Manning, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a monster, man. He's the best on it, you know, in my opinion. I mean, he, he definitely, you know, he has that team at a at a level that, um, you know, hasn't seen since, you know, uh, those Super Bowls with John Elway. So, I mean, you got both of them, you know, working the, you know, working for the Broncos and, and, and working to do the same thing. That's winning another Super Bowl. So, um, I definitely would go with uh, Denver this week. There you go. Much to the delight of my co-host, Mario Batanzi. You already know Denver's going to win, Nick. I don't even know why you asked. They're going 19-0, just like every year. There you go. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, they say, you know, hopes 
you know, is, is, is springs eternal. And that is the case with both Mario and Alanis Gary. Mario is saying that the Broncos are going to go 19 and no, we just have to wait. Hey, so Tony Gonzalez, so I'm on board. Oh, okay. Well, well we're, we're, we're <laughs> just have to wait and see on that one. Alanis, thank you for joining the program. If you want to follow Alanis on Twitter, you can follow, follow him at Alanis Gary. Alanis, thank you for joining the program. And I can't wait to that game at the end of the season when the dogs face the Jackets. So maybe we can have you back on the program and we can preview that game. Hey, man, that would be great. I appreciate it, fellas. Oh, oh! Before you go, Orlandis, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. Go Jackets! Ah, that's Orlandis Gary, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, thousand-yard rusher for the Denver Broncos. Exceptional back for the Georgia Bulldogs, and I had to send him, of course, away with the Go Jackets. I just couldn't let him get away like that. Uh, Mario, now, yes, sir. Wes Welker. Let's get into Wes Welker. Uh, this this whole thing, the four-game uh, suspension and the amphetamines. To give you an idea of what amphetamines, the pros and the cons, because they do have pros and cons. Okay, well, it, it is said that amphetamines can increase muscle strength. It can help out with a libido. Male or female, it can help out with libido. I don't understand the scientific side of it. But that's what it can help with. But also, delusions and paranoia are some of the side effects from using amphetamines. And these are some things that are used as painkillers when guys have surgery. They use them. But it's kind of hard for me to believe at the Kentucky Derby, the Derby, someone's walking around dropping amphetamines in people's drinks. I find it hard to believe. You want to know what happened, Nick? Do you remember... Have they cashed out Wes Welker like a hundred grand more than they should have or something like that? Oh yeah, and he was handing out one hundred dollar bills. Yes. So here's what happened, Nick. He wasn't gonna give back the money, so he got drugged by, are you ready for this? The Kentucky Derby. What? Really? That's what happened. Conspiracy theories, Nick. He did get drugged. It's because they gave him too much money. He didn't want to give it back, and they twiddled their fingers like how are we going to get back at him? <laughs> well, that's a huge <laughs> accusation, and the comments are only that of Mario Batanzi and not secondary perspective. No, of, of, of course I'm kidding, but uh, of course it makes. You, are. Of course you know you what? Are. Now, if, he, if it was, they said he was uh, popping Molly, right. which I, I didn't even know what that was until a couple months ago, Nick. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I still don't but know now, what it is. I don't either. I had to Google it. Now. Uh, it makes sense, you know. I don't know if you're familiar with that song, but it makes sense that he's doing the Old Spice commercials because he popped Molly. Now he's sweating. Well, you know what? I, I hope that he's using a lot of that roll-on uh, uh, antiperspirant because, yeah, you're absolutely right. He is sweating, and the Broncos. Hopefully, they won't be sweating a four-game suspension by Wes Walker. But that's why I John really- L. That's why John always, always being above the curve, drafted Cody Lattimore. So he's going to fill in perfectly for West Walker. I don't think the offense is going to have a drop-off in production. I really don't think that's going to happen. No, they're going to be perfectly fine. And we saw immediately that Peyton Manning and Emmanuel Sanders had a connection. And there were actually people, Nick, if you believe this, that were worried that DT did not get a catch in that third game when Emmanuel Sanders 
Bears made his debut. It's like, first off, it's preseason, so let's all just come down. Second off, that's just Manny's way of saying, hey, DT, we're good, okay? We're not trying to matriculate down the field. We're on the same page. We're fine. Let me just, you know, hit up a manual a few times. And DT, you know, being the consummate professional he was, said, all right, man, no problem. So here's the thing, Nick. Andre Caldwell, who is a veteran in this league, he was very good in Cincinnati, has been overshadowed in Denver uh, because of the plethora of receiver talent, but he's on this team for a reason. You flash back to the weeks last year, anytime Wes Walker was out or Eric Decker was out or who, anytime someone was hurt, you put Andre Caldwell. He can play the slide. He can play the outside. He is going to be just fine. I'm talking about a guy that could probably start on most teams of course you already mentioned Cody Latimer um, I don't know how much production they're going to get out of a rookie receiver early I mean it's, it's very rare no matter how good a rookie receiver is to see a lot of uh, uh, output from him but then you you scroll down they have a young Isaiah Burst who is also a rookie but he is a playmaker this is a guy that can catch a screen pass you know take it for 20 yard you know follow his blocking the reason they kept him on the team is as a return man because he's able to make plays so yet do not worry about the Broncos they're going to be just fine they have a better version of Noshawn Moreno now and Monty Ball and uh, I, I couldn't be less worried about this game Nick this team is all about revenge like what happened last year the first week of the season when they played the Ravens after they knocked him out of the playoffs they came back Peyton Manning hung seven touchdowns on him and they dominated. Well, I'll say this. Same, you know, this thing's going to happen to Indianapolis. I feel bad for the Colts. I really do. Well, well I'll tell you this. I mean, when you look at that Colts secondary, I, I don't think that they are as good as the Ravens secondary that the Broncos faced last year in the season opener. But once again, there's a little bit of redemption or revenge. You know, they want to play Seattle Seahawks in that third game of the season. Hopefully they're not overlooking the Indianapolis Colts looking ahead to that game. But I think Peyton Manning wants a little bit of redemption. I mean, he was embarrassed when he went back there last year on Sunday night, and he wants to come back and show, listen, that last year and that, that execution was a fluke. And you talk about Cody Lattimore. I think, you know, when you look at a rookie wide receiver, you don't want to put too much on his plate. So you probably won't see him in a slot because when you put a rookie wide receiver in a slot, he has to be able to pick up those side adjustments, be able to see, okay, it, it, are they bringing down the safety in the box? Oh, there's a blissing linebacker. I have the hot read. That's too much to put on his plate, and I don't think Adam Gase is going to do that to him. Expect to see Emmanuel Sanders in the slot because I think he's quick, he's elusive, and he's a matchup nightmare for any nickelback. So Cody Lattimore, I, I, I would more expect to see him on the outside than in that slot. But, yes, this, this offense is going to be primed and ready to showcase, but also the Broncos are going to look to showcase their new shiny weapons T.J. Ward, equipped to live, and more importantly, DeMarcus Ware. So expect to see these guys really get after it on Sunday. I'm expecting a great game, and, and by no means do I expect Andrew Luck to come, come in that game and play second fiddle to Peyton Manning. So we could be in a little shootout. I'm not sure just yet, but I would love to see a little shootout between these two guys. Coming up after the break, we'll talk about Kevin Love and how his departure has changed the mentality in Minnesota. And we'll talk about Josh Gordon, his new job since he's not going to be with the Browns this year. You're listening to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Stay right here. Keep it locked right after the break. (laughs) 
now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. One hand in the air, if you don't really care. Two hands in the air, if you don't really care. It's like that sometimes, I mean, ridiculous. That's how we played the whole half. We had a few opportunities, but they're kicking our butts. They're out blocking, out tackling, out coaching us. They know what they're doing. We're, we're getting beat by a much better team right now. Oh, rush the passer, cover some guys, that kind of stuff. Uh, we, we can't cover them or, or, or rush very well right now. You know, we got another, another 30 minutes. That that voice you hear is that that's the voice of the old head ball coach, Steve Spurrier, uh, going into half after being dismantled both offensively and defensively by Kevin Sutherland and, and Texas A&M. They lose Mike Davis. They become one-dimensional. Dylan Thompson struggles to get the ball down the field. And the defense just seemed, seemed to be really tired and offbeat, not in rhythm with one another. And like I said, Kenny Hill, I mean, making everyone forget about Johnny football has become Johnny who. Uh, and Texas A&M could be, could be, that team and the SEC titles. Now, Mario, when you hear a, a head coach uh, say that about his team, they're being outcoached, they're being outplayed, nothing seems to work. I mean, what's the first thing that comes to your mind about that team? Well, here's the thing, Nick. There's only a finite number of things that you can say at halftime without it being cliche. You know, I mean, we've heard it all before. It was no surprise that South Carolina was outmanned by Texas A&M that game. And, I mean, anything that South Carolina did to try and stop them, it didn't work. So, I mean, yeah, you were getting outcoached. You were getting outplayed. That's what happens when you play. They're simply a better team, Nick. 
I mean, there's there's really no way around it. That's just how it was. Uh, I thought South Carolina was way overrated going into the beginning of the year. I thought Texas A&M was underrated. Do I think Texas A&M is going to win the SEC? No, but they're going to certainly push for it. And I definitely don't think that either of those teams are going to be playing uh, in the uh, four-team playoff. Well, you know what? I have a difference of opinion because last week on the show, we had Hans Heiser, uh, who covers everything Atlanta in, in, down in the South, uh, come on the show. And we talked about that particular game, Texas A&M versus South Carolina. And I thought that South Carolina coming back with a veteran quarterback, Mike Davis, who proved when you don't have a Mike Davis, when you don't have a running game, your quarterback has a tendency to struggle. I thought they were going to actually win that game, but that did not happen. And then Kenny Hill came out of nowhere. I would say nowhere, but I guess the people down in College Station. Kenny Trill. Yeah, they, they knew about him. Kenny Trill. And, I mean, once again, I mean, he played well. They had a great scheme. And then one thing about South Carolina, for some reason, they did not come up and challenge any of the routes by Texas A&M. The guys had free reign to run up the field. They were running quick slant, those deep over routes. But Kenny Hill was very impressive in his first outing. And I do believe from if they're able to keep up what I saw on this last Saturday, I definitely believe that they would find themselves in the SEC championship. Because when you look at Bama, Bama has a cakewalk of a schedule. So they're going to be there at the end, even though they have a young quarterback within itself. And they survived the scare last week from West Virginia. But I think this new Texas A&M team under Kenny Hill's leadership, they're going to make a lot of noise and they're going to scare a lot of people. But there's some big games in college football uh, this week. You have Michigan State playing Oregon. And that's a big game. And one thing I love about Oregon, you can always expect the fun flair of the uniforms, but Marcus Mariota, uh, Heisman Trophy candidate, he definitely has to come out in that game and play well. And if they're going to win, especially if they want to be in that four-team playoff or the Power Five come season uh, in. But more importantly, let's talk about the game tonight. The NFL season officially kicks off. Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers. I believe it was 2011 when we had the fail Mary take place in the end zone, and that seemed sent everyone in an uproar, with, especially with the replacement refs. Tonight, change Seattle team. The 12th man is alive. Russell Wilson, a third-round draft pick, 5'10", carried his team to a Super Bowl, and then the Legion of Boom. No Brandon Browner. He's with the New England Patriots, but there's still Sherman. Cam Chancellor, and Earl Thomas in the secondary. So I ask you, with the progression of the rules, and the rules are always changing in favor of the offense, when it's been so-called our passing league, and this year in the preseason, we've seen several yellow flags fly, pass interference, holding, rough play on the defense. What can we expect, Mario, in your opinion, we will see tonight against Seattle and the Green Bay Packers? Well, I think we're going to see whether or not the NFL is going to be real serious about calling these kind of penalties because you have a team that is going to air it out. Aaron Rodgers is back. He's healthy. And he wants a little bit of redemption because he knows Seattle didn't actually deserve that win on the fail Mary all those years ago. So you have a team that is very prolific in passing and you have a team that is extremely prolific in stopping the pass. 
So, if this team needs to be physical, the Legion of Boom, as they had labeled themselves, can't give yourself a nickname, by the way, that's just ridiculous. Anyway, they are a physical secondary. So if these penalties, if this change in the NFL is really going to happen, we are going to see it tonight. There's a lot of penalties, Nick, and they hold true to what they're saying and they want to change the game, then the Packers aren't just going to win. They are going to win running away from the Seahawks. But if it's more the same kind of NFL, you know, they let them get away with a little bit more. Maybe it's just because they're the defending world champions because it's the Seahawks. You know, maybe you uh, keep the flag in your pocket just a little bit longer. If that's the case, we're going to see a much closer game, and I think the Seahawks win it. So it all depends, Nick. I hate to say this, and I hate to be that guy, but the outcome of this game will be dependent on the refs. There, I said it. Now you can kill me for it because I hate myself and I feel dirty. <laughs> also, there's a lot of interconference games in the NFL, but division games on the table of this week and week one of the NFL. One game in particular, especially down in the South, if you love everything South, you're going to love this game. A rivalry, you could say renewed, but not so much. The New Orleans Saints face off against the Atlanta Falcons. And let me give you a little bit of this information about this rivalry. Drew Brees, 13-4 and against Matt Ryan and Atlanta Falcons. Now, Julio Jones and Roddy Wright, they were beat up last year, but they're healthy now. They're facing off in week one. There's, they have Devin Hester on the team, but this team has had some problems. Mike Smith's team has had some problems. You know, not being able to pass rush and get after the quarterback, a huge issue. Two young corners and Trufant and, and Alfred in their second year. And you can expect that Sean Payton is going to attack these two guys. And Steven Jackson, when he came over from the Rams, you know, Atlanta was very optimistic that he would be the power back that they were missing. But it seems as though that, that experiment has failed miserably. So I ask you, when you see these two teams, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, face off in an early division of matchup, what are your thoughts on this NFC South battle? You know, I think the Falcons are going to be much better this year than they were last year. I mean, you lose one of the top five receivers in the NFL and Julio Jones so early in the season, and you know that their playbook was very heavily centered around him. It was really a shame that they had to send Tony Gonzalez off the way that they did. That having been said, Nick, I think the Saints reloaded. Um, they Their secondary is looking a lot better. Good enough, apparently, to cut the legendary Champ Bailey. So we'll see how that plays out for him. I think Drew Brees gets yet another win against Atlanta, but this is going to be a much different Atlanta team than we saw last year. Their defensive line is starting to show signs of life. They're deep in the running pack position. So just in case Steven Jackson gets hurt again and, you know, maybe he's on the wrong side of 30 now and he's going to start to decline. I love Devontae Freeman. And of course, I've always been a big fan of Jacquez Rogers, but still... Drew Brees has too many targets, man. Jimmy Graham, Marcus Colston, Kenny Stills, the young rookie Brandon Cooks, who is one of the fastest kids in the NFL now. Then you have a three-headed monster at the running back position, Mark Ingram, uh, Pierre Thomas, Kyrie Robinson, and Drew Brees leading the charge. Doesn't matter what your defense is. That is a very hard offense to stop, Nick. So I think it's going to be better. Uh, But the Saints are going to come away with a victory. You know, I think the biggest thing, because, you know, earlier this season, you know, uh, Mike Tice was brought in and Brian Cox, one of my former teammates, to kind of give this Arthur Blank team some sort of edge coming into the season because they did not have 
an identity on defense. And I know Mike Nolan is trying to find a way to maneuver guys and put them in place because you, you're going to miss Sean Witherspoon holding it down in the middle. He is the heart and soul of that defense. And you're going to see because he's not there and that void has been created, Drew Brees is going to definitely take advantage of the middle of the field. And speaking of Champ Bailey, I know he was cut by uh, the Saints in, in the last cut down uh, to 53, but rest assured, he has a workout with the Detroit Lions. So hopefully Champ Bailey and that workout works out great for him. Uh, the, the Lions, Matthew Stafford, another guy who I believe as a quarterback on a hot seat just like Matt Ryan, you can do anything you can do to improve your, your defense. You already have Glover Quinn. You have Ziggy Ansah, and you have Indomitian Kinsu. So you add a guy like Champ Bailey. If it happens, it definitely helps you out in the secondary. And if they still want to move him inside at the nickel position or the safety position, I still think it's an upgrade. He's still going to help them at this point in his career. But Champ Bailey having to work out with the Detroit Lions. Now, also, let's not forget, Derek Carr making his first start, won the job, over veteran Matt Schaub will be facing off against Rex Ryan and the New York Jets. I think can Derek, I, Derek. Can I tell Carr, you what I love about this, Nick? Go ahead. I love that all of the quote unquote experts, all of the draft pundits, all the people, Nick, that get paid to talk about football. The only three quarterbacks they were talking about as far as rookies are concerned, Bridgewater, Bortles, Manziel. Who's going to start first between the three of them, Nick? Which one is it going to be? Well, guess what? You were all wrong. Every single last one of you. They're getting paid to do this, Nick. Are you serious? I like Derek Carr. I was a fan of Derek Carr. But you know how I feel about the Raiders. You know that that team is garbage, Nick. Who's he throwing to? Who's he, who's he handing the ball off to? I mean, Maurice Jones-Drew, is that really going to be your savior in Oakland? James Jones is going to turn around the franchise? I don't think so. I feel bad for Derek Carr, man. It's not a matter of who's going to start. It's going who's gonna, It's going to be who finishes. Real well, talk. Yeah. I tell you what, you know, I know they're an older team, but I think under, you know, his leadership, and this is a guy who, I, when I watched him in the last preseason game, even though he was playing against some of the third-tier guys, he still had some phenomenal things that he did well, uh, getting outside of the pocket, extending plays. I mean, he's not like Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub is not as mobile. We knew that when he was in his days with the Houston Texans, but I think Derek Carr brings something to them that they haven't had in a while. And they're hoping that they can lean on their defense, even though it's an older defense. Maybe this defense can help them out, get some turnovers, and give him more possessions. But I think Maurice Jones-Drew and, and you have Run DMC in that backfield, I think they're going to cause some problems for a lot of people. And I'm not saying that they're going to be a playoff team. Ooh, you are but, giving them just way too much credit, well, Fergie Ferg. Listen, listen. I'm, I can't I'm, leave I'm, you alone for a month anymore. Yeah, I'm trying I was to be gone for all that time, and now you've gone a little crazy saying that the Raiders are going to compete. Come on, no, no, man. No, no, no. Understand what I'm saying. I just say they're not going to be a playoff team, but they're going to win some games, and they're going to surprise a lot of teams because – Yeah, three they, games, I guess, would, would uh, count as some games. No. Oh, so you're only giving them three games. Yeah, I think three or four. I think they're going to split the series between the Broncos. That's me. That's me. Oh, Nick, now I know you're on one. Hey, listen, I'm just saying, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm just tossing it out there. You know, stranger things have been known to happen, but I'm sure this is a team that's going to surprise a lot of people, but it starts at the quarterback position. 
If David Carr can gain some confidence against Rex Ryan and his New York Jets uh, on Sunday, it's going to help him down the line, and I think it's going to do well for the defense and the organization overall. So before I get out of here, of course, we got a lot of games slated for this weekend. You've already talked about the Falcons game versus the, versus the Saints. I love division rivalries, but you also have RG3 against the Houston Texans. Jay Gruden's going to get this guy back on track. He's going to learn to slide officially and stop taking those bruising hits. So I, I like that matchup. But, of course, the game I want to watch, the Colts versus the, the Broncos and the Falcons and the Saints. And never forget that guy in New England that goes by the name of Tom Brady. They are never still, heard of him. Hey, listen. Yes, I'm, you're going to hear of Tom Brady. But this week, <laughs> they're playing against the Miami Dolphins. I think that's the game that they do win. Mario, what, what do you think? Give me a score. Broncos, Colts, before we get out of here. Ooh, Broncos, 38, Colts, 24. 38-24. Mario is on the books for that. I just want to see a great game. But everything kicks off tonight, like I said, against the Packers and the Super Bowl reigning champions, the Seattle Seahawks, the see what the Legion of Boom and Russell Danger Wilson can do against Aaron, that guy, Rodgers. This is Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. I'd like to thank Orlando's Gary for joining the program, my three amigos as well, Church of Scientology Celebrity Center for letting me broadcast in a lovely pavilion, Mario Vitanzi. You can find him at Mile High. Mario, my guys, in Arizona, keeping everything running smoothly. Appreciate it. Another exciting week in sports. Hope your team wins this weekend. And make sure if you drink, make sure it's apple cider and don't drive. That's Nick Ferguson, my thought for this Thursday. See you. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 